So hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Expression Impressions podcast. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Michael Rowe. Dr. Rowe is a writer, poet and medical sociologist. A professor emeritus of psychiatry at the Yale School of Medicine and he was the co-director of the Yale program for recovering community health. His work uh, as the editor of The Perch, an arts and literary journal, as director of the Citizens Community Collaborative and co-director of the Collaborative for Non-Justice Studies makes him such a wonderful person to be speaking with me today. Um, I'm thrilled to have the pleasure with connecting with you today. Hello, Dr. Rowe. How have you been? I'm fine. How are you? Oh, well, thank you. Um, so without further ado, let's get started. Um, before you sort of take us through your area of research, I wanted to touch upon the fact that you engage actively with a potent medium of creative expression. Uh, you've been a writer across textiles, and personally, I feel like the arts, ha- especially writing, has become a way to articulate parts of the subconscious and kind of bring that to light. So I guess I'm curious to know, has your more non-academic writing been a way to kind of explore within yourself and introspect in that sense? Well, I was a writer before I became a sociologist, and uh, I ran social service agencies while maintaining a you know career as a writer. Was involved with theater and um, uh, writing plays, acting in them, directing some of them, uh, and at the same time running social service agencies. And so, when I became a sociologist, I was drawn to. Um, I don't know if the the term, uh, I I was drawn to the uh, qualitative aspects of of, uh, sociology or anthropology. Uh, It's close kin, I think, in some ways to uh, some of the work that sociology does. So I would say that's probably correct in the sense of wanting to, you know, uh, get beneath the skin of things and, you know, talk with people about um, their lives and um, uh, try to understand that. And, and, and I think that my experience as a writer and sort of the, uh, cre- so the uh, quotes creative world and and the academic world have, uh, have come together not that the academic world is not creative but just relatively speaking i think trying to combine those two yeah and i think forming that overlap becomes really essential especially when you're reaching out to individuals and um to me please correct me if i'm wrong it helps develop sort of a more holistic understanding of who the person across you is and what their motivations inspirations etc are is that kind of something you resonate yeah with? Uh, sure uh, yes and that's not that's not to denigrate so-called quantitative work these terms qualitative and quantitative are kind of odd when you think about them because really all of our work should be high quality right so, um, and, uh, so quantitative work gets at something, uh, uh gets it's important, some important things as well. And it's, uh, it's possible to combine both, but the thing about the so-called qualitative work or in-depth interviewing or ethnography is, um, it helps you understand things that you don't have the questions for yet. So uh, rather than coming in with a, you know, uh, uh, a prearranged set of questions uh, to which you hope to find the answer, the idea uh, is to kind of explore, well, well, 
you know, tell me, uh, tell me about your experience um, to avoid leading, leading questions as much as possible that sort of funnel the person into what you're most interested in and, and start uh, with a sort of more open-ended approach to things and see, see what happens from there which engages if it, when it, when it works well, it engages people um, in, in, in thinking and talking about their own experience and brings out things that you might otherwise miss. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, especially since I've been talking to a wide variety of people, as you said, sometimes they kind of end up giving you information that you didn't know was something that you were interested in looking at and something you didn't think was relevant, but kind of ties everything together. And I think that's a really good approach that you've brought up there. Um, so while we're talking about uh, the usage of creative arts in understanding and in terms of gaining information and just human connection, um, I was thinking about this earlier on, right before our interview. And so when we're talking about developing perspectives, developing outlooks and what ex and thinking about what exactly it is that we would like to know and kind of forming a connection between what it is we've gotten, how that kind of ties everything in. In this sense, social views and perspectives kind of, the only constant for them is change, right? They end up evolving over time. And I find that this is specifically so when you consider the social view of mental health and mental well-being, especially for those with um, mental illnesses. So to you, how significant is the creative arts? So what exactly makes creative arts effective in kind of formulating this perspective, this unique perspective that you go into find uh, research and interviews with? Well, for one thing, if you use the example of an open-ended interview, you're really, um, that's a creative process itself. You're opening up the possibility uh, of, of exploring things that uh, the person may not uh, necessarily usually have the, the opportunity to talk about. So there's a creative aspect to that uh, in the sense of a conversation that can turn into something very different than where you started, uh, which is which I think happens in the arts uh, uh, often. So um, bringing a um, sort of creative uh, artistic perspective uh, to, to, to research, to um, understanding mental health, um, I think can, can help you break outside of some of the boxes of uh, uh, that we sort of construct in mental health and um, open up new possibilities. Right. So when we're talking about bringing the arts into conversation with mental health, um, I think with my initial research that I was doing, I was taken a lot with your work on The Perch. Now, for those listening in, um, The Perch is a creative arts journal within the Yale PRCH, which brings in these creative voices into the discussion about mental health and well-being. And in a sense, it's an amalgamation of all these uh, vantage points on this core concept of mental health. Um, so while we're discussing it in this context, what do you, th uh, what do you think are the 
benefits of viewing this discussion on mental health through more creative lenses. Um, I guess more specifically, has it become more, has creative expression become a more significant method to kind of dig deep into discussing mental health and well-being? Um, I, I, I think it has become more significant and with the perch as an example, what we wanted to do was we wanted to have a journal of uh, uh, the arts, literature, and even a, a music to some degree. We, we sort of tried to experiment, how do you put music into a journal, uh, <laughs> which is difficult. But, um, and with the idea that um, thinking about mental health broadly, um, so we're not putting people in a, in, a, uh, uh, in a box around, you know, this is what mental health is and this is what you should write about or you should write about your experience in such and such a way or these are the questions we have. We might have a, a certain topic for, you know, for an issue, but um, within that there's a lot of room for creativity. How do you, how, how is a, um, if you're thinking about visual arts, um, it, it's even it, it becomes even more difficult in a certain way and more open in, in another way to well what does this painting have to do with mental health well it um, you know the, the title might give you a clue and then you could take that title and look at the painting and say oh well I can see this or that or you could simply contemplate um, is there a connection here and what what is that and and how does it matter and how, how am I understanding this in, in the context of mental health um, or vice versa. What does, you know, what does, what does a, a thinking about mental health bring to this, you know, looking at this, this, this work of art or this poem, for example. Right. So trying not to be not, not too, uh, not to constrain things too much around how you, how one writes about issues of mental health uh, psychiatric problems and, and so forth. Right. And I feel like when it's more open-ended, um, a lot of when, uh, especially during writing, um, writers tend to look back and kind of bring together their experiences, experiences they've observed, kind of observations in that sense, and kind of manage to tie it together in this creative form, which brings a more um, holistic, again, holistic and not really, as you said, not really restricted uh, view of mental health. And I think that's interesting because um, if you allow me to just go off on a tangent for a second, sure. um, just to give you context, um, the podcast actually stemmed from my entire experiences during the pandemic. So it was a lot with me trying to navigate the stresses of this new environment that ki that's kind of come in, suddenly new learning environment through music. And I feel like to me, music's played this really crucial part in balancing everything that I have to do, be it academic, be it social, be it just maintaining connections with extended family, which kind of when when I when kind of commitments uh threaten to overwhelm, the creative arts become this space for artists, writers, and actually why constrained to artists and writers. Um people across the world to kind of it becomes a comfort comfort zone to them to kind of come back to um so I want to connect this with your experience has 
So you've been working on academic research, outreach projects, you mentioned theater in there. Um, has kind of engaging with art forms become, did it become like a counterbalance to this kind of feeling of stress is kind of coming in, especially during the pandemic period where, you know, it was a new environment and difficult to navigate globally. So I was just wondering a bit more about that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, um, we, we, we did have an issue of the perch that was, uh, focused on, uh, you know, around, uh, around the pandemic and people's experience with that. And, um, yeah, so I think that uh, uh, being able to communicate across this divide where often we can't even see each other or see each other's faces for long periods of time um, is, is a really important outlet. And I, I mentioned that music was you know, sort of a difficult part to bring into the journal, but there has been work that we've done and done with others around music. There's a group called, uh, uh, a project called Musical Intervention in, in New Haven, uh, uh, and um, Adam Christofferson is the director of that project. He's a he is a musician himself, and also he, uh, has a degree in rehab work. And in downtown New Haven, there's this project called Musical Intervention, which is sort of a storefront place where people can, can come in. Often, there are people who are homeless. There are people with substance use problems, with mental health problems. Some of them are receiving, uh, you know, clinical care. Some of some are not. And they come in and they make music. And it's a, it's a very powerful form of expression. And um, music is, is such a powerful form of expression. I've, I've got a, a, I have a blog on grief that I've uh, been you know, writing for the past, oh, I don't know, a few months. And uh, one that I just finished was around loneliness. And I took the topic of... Uh, and I used, you know, music and used some examples from music around loneliness and how music, um, song, um, uh, addresses loneliness and at the same time brings people together. Because if you're, if you're, if a bunch of, uh, you, you, if you're hearing a, a, a song about loneliness, only the lonely, let's say Roy Orbison and, uh, a million people are listening to it, then you've got, um, you're connected through your loneliness. It's paradoxical. So, it becomes yeah, sort of a way to right. bridge that, which right. I think that's something I really deeply resonate with. Thank you very much for that. Sure. Um, okay. Something else I wanted to discuss was, of course, I was uh, reading through some of your work and a lot of your research brings the concept or rather the model of citizenship into the discussion about mental health, society, recovery. Um, in addition, you've also had vast experience with outreach programs that we did mention earlier. Um, so just to give us context, could you take us through experiences and if the arts played a role in eliciting participation or any other aspect of this outreach at the time that we're that i was involved with the outreach it was mainly 1994 through you know uh, 2000 the arts didn't really have a specific part to play um i think my approach and you know in terms of ethnography and, and uh so-called qualitative or in-depth interviews um certainly reflects um or in my experience in the arts you know uh had an influence on my on my approach 
when I started out, I was a, I was a graduate student, sort of an older graduate student, because I had run social service agencies for a while. I was a, a, a graduate student in sociology uh, uh, at Yale, and was also running the homeless outreach project. And I and I thought, well, you know, um, this is interesting. We're bringing a very uh, new approach and, and innovative approach into a fairly traditional mental health center, and thinking will be interesting. And I needed a dissertation topic, and I was running out of possibilities. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll study that. But after a couple of weeks, uh, uh, or as, as we started doing the outreach, it became clear to me that the real action was happening out on the streets and it was happening in the interactions between people, between uh, outreach workers and people who were homeless, who often had uh, mental health problems, and that there was, a, there was a kind of creative aspect to that going on in, in which, you know, you're, you're the, the outreach worker leaves the clinic, leaves the office, goes out onto the other person's turf uh, and tries to reach out to people who in many cases are not looking to be reached out to because they've had bad experiences uh, with mental health services in the past. And so um, I even, I'm not even sure if I wrote about this, um, but uh, I, I began to think about charisma as something that happens between people Usually we think of this person, um, Muhammad Ali, very charismatic, or this person or that person, very charismatic. You know, that person walks into the room and everything, everyone turns, you know, every, all eyes turn to that person. Uh, I began to think, well, you know, there's a, there's a charismatic thing that can happen between, between people, which, which is a sort of a creative kind of, uh, of interaction and, um, uh, a, a thing in itself that goes beyond the specific that includes, but goes beyond the specific services that are being offered. So I think those kinds of, I, I think my background sort of made me um, more uh, open to, or uh, uh, more susceptible to those kinds of, uh, of ideas. My mentor in sociology is a guy named uh, Kai Erickson. And he, uh, he studies um, collective disaster. And one of the first book that I read by him is called Everything in Its Path. And this, this, this was a, a natural, this was a person-made and natural disaster. It had to do with a coal mining town and a, a lake of sludge that broke apart uh, after days of heavy rain. Uh, the, and this lake of sludge came into this mining town and killed well over a hundred people and also displaced people. So it, it was a, it was a story about um, different waves of, of, of collective disaster. The first was the, the flood itself, which killed people. The second was the U S army Corps of engineers meaning well comes in and says, Okay, let's put all of we're going to you know put up some Quonset huts, and we're going to uh, all of the people whose last name begins with A will go over here, and the other, and B goes over here, and C goes over there, so that all of the neighborhoods that had developed over years in in these in the in this town of Buffalo Creek uh, suddenly were even further uh, separated, and so that kind of uh, and, and then also in the book giving voice to the people you know who uh, who spoke in very poetic ways about 
about their experience. And so there's a, and, and also um, in, in Kai's case, just a, a wonderful writer as well. So just a, 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 to me, it was a, was a great example and model and teacher of how you can combine a sort of creative, introspective, uh, uh, quotes, qualitative approach to a uh, uh, social science discipline. And I think that kind of counteracts the big misconception that um, academia and research and kind of involving yourself is not inherently creative. And I think um, in my conversations with a wide variety of people, what I'm kind of picked up is that that's the most common misconception when considering um, one's work. So I think that's great that we touched upon that. I also really like the idea of bringing in more creative approaches to um methods that have been kind of traditional and tried and tested and that kind of usually may you know elicit more comprehensive and more cohesive responses that could you know be really beneficial beneficial in the future um so thank you for that um that was great sure so while i was looking through your work now whenever i discuss your work uh, please feel free to kind of come in and correct me if i'm going wrong because i want to be as um and understand as well as possible. Uh, so I was exploring the model of citizenship that you've kind of discussed. And I think the key takeaway, the five R's, again, rights, roles, responsibilities, um, relationships, etc. And you talk a lot about recovery as well, how recovery kind of, from what I understand, recovery kind of works, should kind of work in tandem with these five R's rather than become the factor that overshadows all these um different aspects of one's life and I think that's something that um, I would like to kind of talk a bit about uh, is there so when we're talking about getting recovery to work in tandem with this is there a kind of inlet or point or specific area under this concept where you think more creative approaches as you mentioned has the potential of bleeding in introducing creativity in daily life, etc. Well, um, my colleague Larry Davidson and I wrote a paper called Recovering Citizenship, which was an attempt to take two related, sometimes overlapping ideas and, and seeing how they go together. And, the, and the, the sort of bottom line point of it is that people's recovery happens through their attaining their citizenship. Um, and um, so um, that that opens up a new area for recovery and it maybe opens up a new area area for citizenship because recovery says yeah you you may have a mental illness but you still have a life right and and you can have friends you can do things you can get married you can work you know depending on you know your own issues and and your own choices and and, and how how things are going for you with supports if needed when needed, um, where citizenship agrees with all of that, but says that 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 life has to happen outside of the clinic uh, and recovery. You know, social recovery says this as well, but citizenship puts maybe a, a bit of stronger emphasis on that. And um, it's it it it's both are creative in the sense that you, you you take ideas that are going uh, at at the time that they they they, they come around or, or or brought into play, 
are are challenging a, a model or, or a way of thinking that um, is, is, is sort of inherently anti-creative at its worst. So the person with schizophrenia is, is never going to get better. Um, things are only going to go downhill. Well, there's re research that's been done that shows that people do recover in various different ways, uh, even you know, with, uh, with schizophrenia. And then recovery says, well, so maybe you'll con even if you continue to have symptoms of uh, mental illness, um, you can have a life. Citizenship comes along and says that life is in uh, much of that life is in community and it's outside of the, the mental health world and system of care. So those kinds of approaches, I think, are inherently creative, not to say that there aren't creative aspects of that ha that can happen in, you know, uh, clinical care before recovery came along or before citizenship came along. But I think that it opens up uh, some new avenues for that. Not sure I'm answering your question, but I'll stop for a moment. <laughs> no, no. Um, I think that did provide quite a lot of relevant insight, especially when you were talking about um, something I found really interesting, what you were talking about, which became kind of the core concept. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Is that recovery um, said recovery and citizenship kind of come together to say that um, come together in a way that ensures that one can have a life outside the entire more into outside the clinic, as you said. Um, and I think there's something else I want to just bring in here really quickly. Um, during my discussions and while I was kind of some, I just sat down with my thoughts and kind of penned them down sometimes. And I have a note here that kind of discusses the utility of creative expression and direct engaging with creativity when it comes to navigating again navigating change navigating um situations that are novel so i think in that sense would you agree when i say that um the uh direct engagement with creativity may play a major role in kind of initiating this change where it comes to taking uh stepping outside the clinic especially initially in the initial phase of recovery yeah i, th I think these ideas are, are inherently creative in, in the sense of you say if you can have a life you can do things um that people maybe maybe that you thought you couldn't do that in itself opens up areas of creativity or you look like look at something uh, if, if you think about the arts themselves and then you think about the uh, the arts in relation to clinical work and you say arts um um art art therapy or music therapy and uh, uh nothing wrong with that but music is in inherently therapeutic not in a narrow clinical sense uh the arts are inherently therapeutic again not in the narrow clinical sense writing is inherently uh therapeutic Again, you know, not in the narrative, uh, narrow clinical sense, but it it feels good. It you it you you think new 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 things, new thoughts. You're you're doing things differently. You you are creating, and and so um, while music and arts therapy uh, uh, have their place, I think it's important to recognize that that. The, the arts are therapeutic themselves inherently. 
Yes, I, I would agree with that immensely. I think, especially when during the pandemic, when we were engaging with the arts, and a lot of the time, not a lot of us had access to uh, guided therapy, etc. And we sort of tapped into the more healing qualities or qualities that helped us kind of stay afloat by ourselves. And I think um, as humans and as people who at the core are kind of emotionally inclined and need to kind of balance that out based on the situations we find ourselves in. The creative arts becomes this aspect that carries with it its own sense and its own own sense of kind of freedom and its own benefits. And I think that's a really pertinent topic that we've touched upon. Um, so thank you for that. Um, so to end on a slightly more open-ended note, I wanted to ask you if you had any uh, thoughts about creative arts and especially in your field of study that we haven't had the chance to kind of delve into yet. Um, I'm not sure if I have anything to add. Um, I just think that the more you bring these other aspects of experience including the arts into the work, the more they will take on a life of their own. And I, I think the, the other thing that um, we haven't really touched upon is the, the, the creative aspects of people working together. Um, and if, you're, uh, if, you if you take an approach that citizenship is this, and that is what we're going to do, and you stop someone when, 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 uh, well, you didn't include uh, the, the R of resources in what you just talked about. You know, how would you? Then you, you end up with a with a sort of a non creative uh, approach to what should be a you know a creative idea. And so that one of the things that I've been really struck by with the work is just having great colleagues, um, the the including. Uh, peers, I don't know if that's a term that's familiar to you, but the whole peer movement of people with their own experience of mental illness or substance use or homelessness or incarceration who uh, are uh, taking that lived experience and helping others with it and contributing in, uh, in groups. We've also done theater, uh, for example. Uh, so theater, you know, music, uh, visual arts, uh, writing. And I think that having a supportive group and leadership that is open to, um, that provides some structure, you know, some, some organizing ideas, but, but lets people do what they want to do and brings out the in, inherent creativity in people that may not even be captured by one discipline or another, whether it's music or writing or visual arts or this or that, um, there, there's a kind of artistic process that can go that, that can go on. Right. And they're kind of it. I really enjoy what you've talked about, wherein um, the facility. Um, facilitating engagement with the arts um, encourages the sense of community which often encourages uh, which often leads to better results better not just better results better um, outlooks and insights and vice versa having a sense of community kind of eventually manifests itself into a creative product and 
Yeah, I think that's 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 something that I was really looking to touch upon and I quickly figure out how to go around. So I'm really glad you've brought that up. Thank you very much. Um, sure. Well, on that note, I think we've had this really interesting discussion. It's given me a lot to think about and I'm sure I'll be sitting down to pen this down later. Um, I'm really glad we got to connect. Thank you very much for joining Same me. Same here. Thank All you. Right. Thank you.